From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your Friday host, Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. An honor to be with you and thank you so much for joining us on this very special edition. Coming up today on Washington Watch, the House Speaker position in Congress remains vacant as Republicans scramble to fill the position. As you probably know by now, Majority Leader Steve Scalise withdrew his name from consideration last night as it became apparent that he simply did not have the votes for that position. It's been quite a uh, and there's still a long way to go. Uh, I just share with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for the speaker-designee. So what is it going to take for Republicans in the House to find a consensus and to find a new speaker? Well, Washington Times senior congressional reporter Carrie Pickett will join me here in just a couple of moments to bring us the latest on that. And we saw heightened security worldwide today as a former Hamas leader called for a global day of jihad. But this focus on security comes even as the Biden administration's failure to secure our own southern border has allowed thousands of potential terrorists in our own country. I'll be talking about that with Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb a little bit later in the program. And on this so-called Global Day of Jihad, anti-Israel and anti-Semitic demonstrations have surfaced worldwide. Israel is notorious for creating propaganda that sides their one-sided massacre against Palestinians. Well, that was an exchange yesterday with Fox News' uh, Lawrence Jones and a protester at Hunter College. But there's a long history of this type of rhetoric on U.S. college campuses. Family Research Council's Chris Gasick has studied incidents like this of anti-Semitism in America extensively, and he'll be joining me to discuss the patterns that we are watching on college campuses. And Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin became the latest U.S. official to travel to Israel to bolster support for the Jewish nation, with war obviously now underway in full force. Security assistance from the Department of Defense is already rapidly flowing into Israel. And we will continue to ensure that Israel has what it needs to keep itself secure. Well, Family Research Council's retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin will join me to discuss what Israel needs to do and what the U.S. needs to do to help. So we've got a packed program coming your way. Of course, as a reminder, the website is TonyPerkins.com in case you miss any portion of today's program or you want to check out past shows, there's also tons of great resources there for you. So be sure to check it out, TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into today's program. This is now the 11th day of a paralyzed Congress. House Republicans are continuing their scramble to try to fill the position of House Speaker as Kevin McCarthy was ousted, and obviously it becomes more and more of an important issue as war continues in Israel and the clock continues to tick towards November 17th, which is when our government funding deadline takes place. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise withdrew his name from contention last night as it became apparent that he simply didn't have the votes to assume the speakership. So what now? Uh, where do we stand in all of this? Is there going to be consensus anytime in the near future? Well, joining me now by uh, Zoom to discuss this and the latest developments is Carrie Pickett. She's a senior congressional reporter at the Washington Times. She's been staked out all afternoon in the hallways as the GOP has been in conference. Carrie, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Congressman. I got to tell you, you are definitely a uh... Yeah, I'm sure your your old stomping grounds. Or, you know, it's the same old stuff up here, but different situation, of course. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Scalise, uh, the majority leader, he stepped away. But we are in this very similar situation that we had yesterday. Uh, unfortunately for Mr. Jordan, uh, 
while he uh, had enough votes to get nominated, he just doesn't have enough votes to become officially speaker um, if the uh, votes were, were to come to the floor. So um, in the first round, he was about 90-some-odd votes short. In the second round, he was about 70-some-odd votes short. He was going up against um, Austin Scott, and uh, you know, he's a Georgia congressman, of course. Uh, he, many people thought that Mr. Scott was a uh, sort of a proxy sort of uh, candidate going up against Mr. Jordan, maybe a protest candidate. But still, as of now, even though Mr. Jordan is the official nominee for the GOP, he still is short, you know, several votes or a number of votes. He's going to have to make up that gap. Right now, one of the Republicans have left, and they are planning on uh, coming back Monday. Um, some are saying maybe to bring it to the floor, but maybe to bring it to the floor on Tuesday. That is still being hashed out right now. Okay, Carrie, so this is obviously going to drag into next week. So where do we go from here? Uh, Jim Jordan, the official candidate, will they come back next week and uh, vote exclusively just on him and see how many votes he's going to have? And if he does not have 217, what happens? Well, that is a big question. Uh, you see, you have a faction of Republicans who are saying, you know, look, guys, we have to just make sure that before we go onto the floor that we have 217. So over the over the weekend, you're going to have the, the Jordan team who are going to be whipping votes to make sure that he has the, the support he needs. So then when they go to the floor, uh, he, they can be confident that they're not going to go into 15 rounds like Mr. McCarthy did back in January. And so at that point, the Republicans and the Democrats can start to legislate. And as we obviously are seeing right now in the Middle East, there's lots of horrific situations happening there. They are, there's already a bipartisan resolution right now to deal with this. But as of now, the floor is paralyzed. Yeah, I mean, that is the whole point right here. We have Congress that is paralyzed, and there are so many major decisions that are facing the world and facing our own Congress right here from a, a, a deadline coming up in November, November 17th with our, our own government funding. But then you add what's happening in Israel and so forth. I mean, these are major issues. Now, you mentioned a while ago that uh, some are looking at Austin Scott's position as perhaps a protest vote. Do you think that that really is what's going on here? And is that protest, in your opinion, going to linger? Or do you think uh, Jim Jordan perhaps is going to have the ability to tie back in some unity? Um, I think the uh, Austin Scott vote is not going to linger that much. I think that sometimes, as you very well know, they like to make sure that uh, there's that there doesn't appear to be a coronation uh, for whoever is eventually the nominee. Uh, and now that we're going into next week, I think there's going to be even more pressure to make sure that there's some sort of speaker. And keep in mind, there's also a huge faction of Republicans who are saying, look, we don't care who it is at this point, whether it's Mr. Jordan or if it's Mr. McCarthy or if it's Mr. Scully. Just give us a, a speaker so we can move forward at this point. Well, it's going to be extremely interesting to see what happens. Is there sentiment that uh, that you believe in terms of all that's happening around the world right now to uh, get this resolved pretty quickly? Uh, as time moves on, I think there's, there's more lawmakers who are, who, who are coming around to that. The, the problem here, Mr. Heist, though, is that you you have this extraordinarily small margin. And the thing here is that as long as you only have four Republicans, four Republicans who have issues with the uh, with the Republican nominee, whether it's Mr. Jordan, whether it's Mr. Scalise or whomever they uh, put up, they can hold up this particular speaker nominee. It doesn't matter who it is. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much, Carrie, for uh, joining us. Thanks for all the work you do with Washington Times. We appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you for coming on Washington Watch. I want to swap over, if we can, now to Representative Alford, who's uh, uh, got the latest with us. Congressman, thanks for joining us. 
we're having a little difficulty getting our representative Alford on right now. Uh, maybe we'll get him here in just a few moments. But y'all, listen, this is an extremely critical situation that we have <laughs> happening right now. As Carrie just mentioned, we have so many issues that are facing our country right now uh, from what's happening in Israel. I mean, that alone is one of the, the issues of massive importance. And the reality is, and this is why it's so critically important, that we get as rapidly as possible a new Speaker of the House is that Congress is paralyzed. Congress literally is paralyzed with uh, voting on something as basic as getting aid right now to Israel. Well, this, this is an extremely important scenario for us to be able to uh, get on top of. In addition to that, as I mentioned a couple of times with Kerry Pickett uh, from the Washington Times, we also have the situation here in just a short period of time, the funding of our government runs out. What are we going to do at that point? I personally right now see no way around the reality that we're going to have to have another CR, a continuing resolution to continue funding our government. Uh, but then the question comes, what kind of continuing resolution is it going to be? Is it going to be one that we currently are abiding on under, which is filled with radical left-wing Democratic-type agenda items? Or are we going to be able to pass through uh, and get back to uh, some of the uh, more conservative cutbacks? So uh, it's it's uh, a lot at stake right now. I know we don't have much time, but Congressman Alford, can you hear me now? Congressman Alford, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, thank you for for your patience. Give us the latest on where we stand on the uh, speaker's race. Well, Jody, we are uh, at another impasse. Uh, I was hoping today that we would have a resolution that we would be able to take the name of Jim Jordan to the House floor. He does not have those votes, uh, as your reporter has said previously. He's 55 short. How do you go from there to on the House floor to get 217? Well, there are about nine members who are not here right now, some of them for good reasons, others, I don't know why they're not here. We didn't go home. We had very important votes today. Jim Jordan uh, beat out Austin Scott pretty handily, but a second vote was held, a secret ballot, to determine would there be enough votes to put Jim Jordan's name on the House floor and us win, because we did not want to repeat the 15 votes that we had for Kevin McCarthy. He was 55 short. So we're coming back Monday. I've been told we're going to have a House floor vote on Tuesday. That's going to give Jim Jordan our designee time to try to win over these 55 people. Wow, what a, a long weekend is going to be. I'm sure there will, there will be tons of phone calls, and uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Congressman Alford, Missouri, thank you so much for all that you do and for keeping us here at Washington Watch so informed is the latest. Thank you for taking time to join us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. God bless. God bless you as well. Have a great weekend. All right, friends, that's the latest. That's where we are. Uh, I urge you this weekend to be in prayer for our Congress as they have so much before them. All right, after the break, the Biden administration's mismanagement of the border. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. 
Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Good afternoon. Welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Glad to have you with us. All right, as you well know, cities all throughout the world had tightened security today after a former Hamas leader called for a worldwide day of jihad. And we know of at least one episode of violence. There was a school teacher in France that was murdered by stabbing and reportedly the man was shouting Allah Akbar during the attack. But closer to home, uh, U.S. authorities in border states are continuing to sound the alarm that the Biden administration's mishandling of our border control has left our own country exposed to potential infiltration by terrorists. So the question begs itself, are we inviting trouble into our country rather than repelling it. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb. Sheriff Lamb, thank you for all you do. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. It's good to see you. Great to see you again as well. All right, listen, we've got heightened security all throughout the the country, all throughout the world for that matter today in response to the day of uh, jihad today. Uh, how did your department handle and approach today? Well, out in Arizona, the day's not over yet, but uh, you know we uh, had our our SWAT guys active. We broke it up into two different uh, uh, branches of our SWAT. Yeah, that way, we could cover all the county. You know, we're the size of the state of Connecticut out here in Arizona, so we had a lot of cities within our county, and uh, our guys did the best they could to prepare. We made sure that we were full staff. And we've been fortunate enough to have no incidences. I talked to some guys down in Phoenix, likewise, uh, at least with the uh, troopers. They hadn't seen anything. So we've been blessed. But, you know, part of that is because uh, all across this country, I think a lot of agencies were prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, we all thank God that there have not been any incidents here uh, to this point in the United States. And what a blessing it is to have leadership like yours and so many of our law enforcement across this country. Uh, let me just be frank with you, uh, Sheriff. You know, the, the Biden administration has failed, particularly states like yours, uh, in the way that it's mishandled the border crisis. And I know you have been very vocal in talking about this, but when you bring into the equation what happened last week in the horrific attacks in Israel, uh, how does that highlight and magnify, underscore the importance of securing our own southern border? 
Well, I've been saying for a while, Jody, that this is the greatest national security threat to America. You know, the, the national government would like you to think that uh, we've got problems all over the world that we need to go and fix for other people. The reality is the greatest threat to America is happening right at our southern border. And I've been screaming about it since this administration took over. And I've really been screaming about it over the last probably eight months um, just because of the amount of military age men that have been coming into this country from all over the world, especially from uh, special interest countries, Middle Eastern countries, Russia, China, Mauritania and, and Western Africa. These are places that we should be very concerned with, and these are military-age men coming in. And when I go to talk about this being the greatest national security threat, look no further than the fact that there has been over 100,000 American civilians that have died every year last year uh, to fentanyl poisoning. So between the fentanyl poisonings coming across, between the unknown quantities of people that we've bring, we were letting in, the terrorists, the criminals that have come across, uh, with these open border policies under this administration, this is our greatest threat. And, and last week, what we saw in Israel um, exposed just how vulnerable we are. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I believe it was the last time that uh, I was at the border, in fact, in your county, I believe it was that there were the day before there were six that were arrested from some Middle Eastern countries. And, you know, now we have the federal government admitting that we have had hundreds of terrorists come into our country. How how concerned are you specifically on this issue? I know we've got the fentanyl, we've got the cartels, we've got the human trafficking, all these horrific things happening and coming across our border. But in light of today's call for a global day of jihad, how concerned are you that we now have potentially how many terror cell groups in our own country that have been virtually free just to come across our borders? I'm very concerned. You know, you've had 7,000 Mauritanians. If you don't know where Mauritania is, Western Africa, below Morocco, has become one of the leading breeding grounds for al-Qaeda. You've got uh, Director Ray admitting that they have untold amounts of Russian spies that have come into this or, Russian spies that have come to this country. There's been over 3,900 of them that came through the southern border at the Yuma sector. Um, you've had 30,000 plus Chinese nationals that have come in. You've got untold amounts of people from all sorts of different countries, including hundreds that have come from places like Egypt, Lebanon, all of these different places, Middle Eastern countries, Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, they're coming in from all over. And so, yes, I'm very concerned because I talked to the Border Patrol maybe a, a month or two months ago. And at the time, they said because of the amount of people coming in, they were only able to vet about 5% of the people coming from special interest countries. So a lot of those countries I just mentioned, they're only vetting 5%, which means that 95% of them, we have no idea who they are or whether they present a, a national security threat to us. And that should be very alarming to every American. It should. It should send chills up the spine of everyone. Uh, a scale of one to ten, how vulnerable uh, has Biden's immigration policy left the United States? Well, I think we're at a ten. I really do. I think the amount of people we've allowed to come into this country uh, is staggering. And I think it's a ticking time bomb, unfortunately. The one thing that we have going for us is the fact that we have the Second Amendment in this country. Our ability to protect ourselves and our homes and our communities, I think, is important. The other thing is the strength of the rule of law in this country. We have a very strong rule of law, although this administration, along with the Biden and, and, and Obama administration from years ago, have done everything they can to undermine and weaken the rule of law. And now we're seeing elected DAs and, and officials across this country that continue to weaken the rule of law. The rule of law has been what's kept the wolf outside the front door. Um, I've, we've yeah. let them in here now, and uh, I'm very concerned with what kind of potential risk we've put ourselves in. I'm not a fear monger. I'm not trying to sound the alarm that you should live your day every, every day in fear. But to say that we haven't let these folks in and that we shouldn't be worried would be completely naive. Sheriff, we've got to end it right there. Pinal County, Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. All right, friends, we've had the Day of Jihad call today, uh, but there's anti-Semitic rhetoric and violence coming from the left. Stay tuned. We'll get into that issue right after the break. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Good afternoon. Welcome again to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council and your host on Friday. Thank you so much for being here with us. All right, last week's horrific attacks in Israel by the terrorist group Hamas led to worldwide displays of support for Israel, which is great. But on the other side of that coin, the attacks also has sparked anti-Israel demonstrations and all sorts of anti-Semitic rhetoric and calls for violence have been evident, but nowhere has it been more apparent than on college campuses right here in the United States where anti-Semitic rhetoric continues, frankly, to increase, often under the guise of anti-colonialism or somehow claiming Israel uh, to exist as a uniquely racist apartheid state. But with all of this taking place, the question is, how can we as Christians confront such hatred as we support our Jewish brothers and sisters? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Chris Gasick. He's a senior fellow for regulatory affairs here at the Family Research Council. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. So always good to see you, Jody. Likewise, great to see you. And listen, you have done extensive research on this whole issue of anti-Semitism here in the United States, uh, both from the perspective of the rhetoric as well as the actual acts of violence. So tell us just kind of the 30,000-foot view of the research you've done and what you've found. Well, um, we've done two papers here um, at FRC on on anti-Semitism. And the the first one in 2018 was about anti-Semitism on college campuses. And that came about because... I noticed that there was just a level of it that I never imagined possible, so I started looking into it. And then we, Leela Gilbert and I did a paper in 2021 about 100 anti-Semitic attacks and incidents that we found all across the United States and tried to sort of break it out and, and look at that. But that wasn't confined to college campuses. Um, regarding colleges, though, I think what you have is, is sort of a, there's a sort of a uh, twofold uh, reason for this occurring. So there's a group that Rabbi Menken mentioned yesterday called Students for Justice in Palestine, which is basically a, you know, there there are 200 chapters of this organization at least on college campuses or university campuses. They're built pretty much all the major schools in the United States. It's it's essentially an Islamist uh, kind of a front group, you know, masquerading as an organizing and anti-Jewish action front in all these college campuses. And I would say just bluntly, any school that has an SJP chapter is 
is my way of thinking, it's per se a hostile environment for Jewish students. It just, it just is not possible for it to be another way. All of this anti-Semitism has also been institutionalized in the schools themselves by Middle East studies departments that are you know, they're, they're populated with professors who are, you know, anti-Zionist, they're Middle Eastern, they're, they really, you know, they hate Israel and they, they're not too fond of Jews either. So that's, that's widespread throughout the academy. But one of the things, you just touched on something I just want to mention, and, and people can go and look at the textbooks that their kids have, or even probably in high school, I would imagine this is filtered all the way down. And it is this term, decolonization, colonizers, this whole sort of set of rhetoric about co colonialism. And it's, it, it traces back to a, a 19, in 1961 to a Marxist uh, named Franz Fanon. And um, it, the amount of citations this, this book and this man have you know, received, he died in 1961, but um, he was uh, basically a French, you know, Caribbean who went to, to France to study, fought in World War II, and wrote this book as he was dying. But it's, it's the Bible of, um, of Marxist anti-colonial theory. And this is what you read about. And, it's, and basically, decolonization is the, the violent um, overturning of everything in a society and every structure and every institution that it has. And that's what's just you know, coached and coached and coached into young people at colleges. It's stunning. I, let, let me just ask you this, kind of bring down, I know the clock is ticking on us here, but is there a chance, particularly in light of what's just happened in Israel, that all of this anti-Semitism at college campuses and beyond is going to backfire? I mean, even things like the BDS, the boycott, uh, divest, and sanction movement, and all this uh, rhetoric and teaching, is it going to backfire, do you think? Um, I think one of the things that's happened is that, you know, like you turn the lights on and the cockroaches are all running around. You know, this, this is a Florida phenomenon that I'm used to. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think what it, the, 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 the Band-Aid has been ripped off the wound, and now we kind of see what's really going on and Jewish students being attacked the day of or soon after, uh, you know, the, these horrible, horrible, I mean, this wasn't some kind of minor incident that nobody knew about. I mean, these are, you know, 1,300 uh, people being slaughtered. And, um, and so what kind of, what, what kind of beast, uh, you know, what kind of beast on two legs kind of can, can operate and even think in this manner? And, it's, and, and so you don't know, and, and unless you are sort of made aware of things like, you know, that, that something like Franz Fanon and all his works are being taught to your kids in school. You need to ask your state representatives. You need to find out, is there a Students for Justice in Palestine uh, chapter at the schools in your state? Because there shouldn't be. And these are vile organizations. And, I mean, I think the, the, the positive side of this is that the light has exposed the darkness, and we can start to at least talk about Absolutely. this in a way that we weren't able to before because no one would have believed us. Absolutely. Well, it's why we as Christians have a duty to stand up to this kind of hatred. Thank you, Chris Gasick, Senior Fellow for Regulatory Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Thanks for the incredible research, and thank you for joining us. All right, friends, after the break, Israel's military response to the terror attacks from the Hamas, as we all know, is big time underway right now. But there's a lot still to come. General Boykin will be joining me after the break to break it all down. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's straight ahead. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Kramer. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you to FRC and, and their staff for, for doing two things that I think are so important in representative uh, government. Uh, one is, as I like to say, is that you hold us accountable. But what's more important is that you're an extension of your representative government. You are an extension of those of us who, who, who take the pledge and, and pledge our allegiance to our country and to our Constitution, um, but lean heavily on, on you and, and what you provide. So keep up the great work. We need you. Thank you so much, Senator Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. A great voice he is for America and a great friend of the Family Research Council. Good afternoon. Glad to have you back here on Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. All right, you probably heard Tony mention just yesterday that the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, they've just released a new proposed rule to undermine sex-segregated spaces and at the same time to massively stifle free speech in the workplace. They've expanded the definition of what constitutes workplace harassment. And it's unbelievable. I, I want to, I, you know, some of the examples, if you use the wrong pronoun at work, that can now be workplace harassment. Or, you know, having a, a different opinion about uh, separate bathrooms, separate locker rooms, se separate showers for men and women based on biological sex rather than sexual identity, or even voicing opposition to things like abortion or uh, contraception or that type of thing. All of this can now be considered workplace harassment. Well, you have until November 1st to give a public comment about this, and we urge you to do so. The more people that comment on this, it can really help move the needle for us. So we're encouraging you. And here's the easiest way for you to do. Uh, simply uh, text the word speech, as in free speech. Just text the word speech to 67742. And then you just follow the links. And that will put you at a place where you can submit a public comment on this. It's extremely important. Uh, that uh, your voice be heard. So text the word speech to 67742. All right. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin met with Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu today in Tel Aviv. And during their meeting, he had this to say. 
As you know, I was the guy that uh, initially put the ISIS campaign together, and I, I know a lot about ISIS, and this is, uh, this is worse than what I saw with ISIS. That's a powerful statement. Friends, this is worse than what he saw uh, with ISIS. That, that is just stunning. Secretary Austin also announced that the Pentagon is already supplying munitions, uh, air defense capabilities, and other equipment, uh, as well as additional interceptors for the Iron Dome to save Israeli lives. Uh, and, you know, Israel is in a extremely critical situation right now. And that kind of support coming from Secretary Austin and the United States is extremely important. But what's to come next? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. He serves as FRC's Executive Vice President. He spent the last four years of his brilliant 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force, which of course was established to focus on counterterrorism and hostage rescue operations. So, General Boykin, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you and have you on the program. Thank you, Jody. I'm glad to be with you. Well, let's jump into this. I don't know of anyone more equipped to deal with these issues right now than you. Uh, we've got the Israeli counterattack uh, that obviously is already underway. The IDF is conducting raids uh, both on Hezbollah uh, and strongholds in the northern border up with Lebanon. And at the same time, uh, a lot of strikes still taking place in Gaza. So from your perspective right now, looking at the just the overall, what's your assessment of what's taking place so far? I think most of what you see, uh, other than the bombing and the shelling by the Israelis, I think most of what you see is a reconnaissance to try and locate the hostages. Uh, this is a big issue for the Israelis because there are Americans being held. And I can assure you that uh, those people on the ground in there uh, include some Americans, uh, our special operations that uh, are experts at uh, hostage rescue. But the key thing to hostage rescue is good intelligence. And I think that's what they're doing. The, the ones that we know are on the ground in there. They're in there looking for the hostages, and uh, and I uh, pray that uh, they'll find them before the uh, before the end of this uh, campaign in there in the Gaza Strip, because ultimately these people will be killed uh, if, if we can't find them in time. Yeah, and we all join you in those prayers, General. Yeah, I think part of this, and you tell me, uh, the the fact that Israel is called for civilians to evacuate from Gaza. That in itself is uh, an indication, it seems to me, that they have intelligence. They know where uh, Hamas is, which probably is where some of these hostages are, and that they have full intention of going after them. Uh, are we barking up the right tree there? Absolutely. They they are going to have a ground war, and everybody needs to keep that in mind. And it's going to kill uh, noncombatants, and, and there's no way to avoid it. But look, the Israelis have given them an opportunity now to get out. And I will tell you that this is the way they have to operate. And I saw them one time when I was living over there. I saw them one time uh, go into the Gaza Strip uh, and uh, to blow up a house that was had munitions and weapons and all. And they called the people that lived in that house. They called them on the phone and they said, we're coming. We know what you've got in there and we're going to blow you up. Get out. You got five minutes. Get out. So the people in the house there ran to the to the top of the, 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 the building uh, and they're all flat roof buildings over there. And that was to provoke the Israelis thinking the Israelis would not shoot, would not fire on them. And then the Israelis brought in a helicopter. And in one corner, one corner, they fired off probably uh, 15 or 20 rounds. And that got their attention. And they realized that this was your last chance. And the next thing you saw was you saw all of them at, at a double speed 
getting out of that building and getting away just as the munitions went off. And I'm telling you, I don't know what they had in there, but it was powerful. That's the way they have to operate. And I don't know of any other military in the Army uh, or in our military that, uh, that has to operate like that. Yeah, and Israel is always, uh, and just because of that reality, this is the way they operate, uh, when they are telling civilians now to evacuate, I mean, that's serious. Like you just said, they better evacuate. But on the other hand, we have Hamas now preventing the evacuation. What happens in that scenario? That's on, that's on the backs of Hamas. Hamas is responsible for everything that has happened up to this point. There is nothing, no one killed nothing that Hamas is not responsible for. And we have to remember that. And I'll tell you, Jody, I'm really concerned now with all of these protests and everything, uh, because this is the pattern that we've seen for, for decades, is everybody stands with Israel for the first week, and then everybody pushes Israel to to uh, uh, somehow to bring this all, whole thing to an end, and uh, and they lose their they lose their ability to stay focused on what has happened here. And what has happened here is a terrible, brutal, uh, even demonic attack on the Israelis on a holiday of all things. And uh, I, I think, Jody, I think that this is going to go on for a long time. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you look at even the United Nations now, the, the, the global pressure, like you said, everybody's for Israel when it first happens, but the global pressure is probably going to change. We're already seeing it with the UN calling on Israel to uh, go down a pathway of appeasement or whatever. Uh, but I was, and I have to, I have to say this, I applaud the support for Israel that was shown, has been shown by President Biden and Secretary Blinken and Secretary Austin. Uh, this is good. America stand, needs to stand with Israel. Uh, but this is taking place while we're also providing billions of dollars in support for Ukraine. Uh, we, we've given this billions of dollars, potentially still has not reached them, to Iran. Uh, in fact, let me just play a clip here for you that uh, Secretary Austin made today, a statement he made. Play clip five, please. The United States is the most powerful country in the world, and we remain fully able to project power and uphold our commitments and direct resources to multiple theaters. So we will stand with Israel even as we stand with Ukraine. Great comment. I'd like to get your, your assessment of that. Can our military handle both of these efforts simultaneously? Uh, I'll tell you, from a material perspective, I'm I'm getting very uh, concerned uh, about all of the uh, military equipment that has uh, already gone out. And I, I support the Ukrainians, but uh, we've got another equation now that we've got to think about in terms of how far can we go with regards to depleting our own supplies uh, to support our allies. And, uh, and I will tell you, if I had to make a choice, I, I'm afraid I'd have to go with Israel. Wow, that's uh, sobering to hear. And yeah, you, you bring up a great point. What was it, $85 billion or something in that ballpark of, of um, weaponry that we left, uh, that much of that has now been taken? Let me throw another equation your way and get your reaction to this. I, we, we have this now going on in Ukraine and Israel, but then we have other bad actors in the world. Uh, what about an adversary uh, like China trying to go into Taiwan right now or North Korea doing something crazy? At what point are we stretching ourselves too thin um, as a U.S. military? In other words, does what's happening now provide an opportunity, maybe that's the best way of asking it, for a China to invade Taiwan right now because we're preoccupied? Absolutely. And I look, I think we are just about at the breaking point with regards to what we're providing to uh, not only to Israel, but uh, also to uh, what's going on in uh, Russia and the Ukraine. 
Uh, so I think we're there. And uh, now we do have one one ace in the hole, and that is our industrial capacity, our our capacity to to crank out military materiel, weapons, ammunition, r- missiles, all kinds of things. But we've got to start it now. We've got to get on it now. And I will tell you what that means to me, not being a politician, is we got to cut back on some of this nonsense, and particularly like what it's costing us to maintain an open border and to take care of all the people who are coming across. That is one place, as far as I'm concerned, we ought to start right there and 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 then get our capacity to uh, actually put things out that are going to be useful with, uh, with both of these allies that I was talking about. Well, absolutely. Great point. And another thing we've got to get taken care of is the Speaker of the House. I mean, we cannot have a paralyzed Congress when we have so many of these issues facing us as a country uh, that could have massive ramifications. There's another ace in the hole, and I know you would totally agree with this. You were talking uh, from a military perspective, but we have the body of Christ and we have the power of prayer. Now is the time like never before. And one thing I love about the Friday program is calling on our viewers and listeners to commit as they're going to church to pray. I don't know that there has been a more critical time since I've been a part of this program to call on the body of Christ to pray than right now, to pray for Israel, to pray for our world. Uh, this This is not just a political issue. This is a spiritual issue, what's happening to Israel. Yeah, do not forget... That land that the Israelis live on is covenant land. That land was given to the Israelis. It's not an occupied territory, as so many today out there were talking about. The other thing is, God gives us a very clear message when he says, I will bless those who bless you, and and I will curse those who curse you. That means we have to stand with Israel. We are a Christian nation, regardless of what people say. We are a Christian nation. We always turn to God when the chips are down, and now the chips are down not only for us but for for our allies, and and we need to remember. We want a blessing. We stand with the Jews. Could not be better stated than that. General, America is blessed and fortunate to have people like you who have Uh, had such critical positions of leadership in our military, and we here at FRC, likewise, so blessed to have you. Thank you for taking time to join us on Washington Watch and to give your expertise on this issue. God bless you, and hope you have a great weekend. God bless you, and thank you, Jody. All right, friends, that wraps up this week and this edition of Washington Watch. America's commitment to Israel must never waver. General Boykin just said it as clearly as could be from uh, Genesis chapter 12. God says regarding Israel, I'll bless those who bless them and curse those who curse. Have a great weekend. Be prayerful. Be vigilant. We'll see you next week here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 7234.